you're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell. I initially started this podcast to learn more about the ins and outs of travel. Eventually, I discovered there's so much more to a person than where they go. My goal is to learn more from people who are going places. I've interviewed community leaders, entrepreneurs, veterans, authors, and experts who tell fascinating stories and give amazing advice. Thanks for tuning in, and I can't wait to see where you go. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Going Places. I'm your host, Kara Orbell, and today I have a very special guest. I'm talking to Shannon Martin. Shannon is the Director of Communications and Internal Podcasting Specialist at Podbean. She is a copywriter, copywriter, editor, marketing specialist. She's been the Director of Communications at Aging Wisely, and she wears many hats. She has written for Forbes, but she also is living in Valencia. So I'm really excited to dive in to talk about her work life, her travels, and just kind of everything that she's been up to. So thanks for being on the show. Yeah, it's great to connect with with a fellow fan. (laughs) I'm really excited to dive in. And I think that's really fun because you work in podcasting, but you also have this really unique sort of travel life where you get to work remotely, you get to travel and kind of live abroad, which is a dream of mine. So I'm really excited to kind of tap your brain into how that's been going. Yeah, sure. So (laughs) why don't we start with just from the beginning, what sparked your love of travel? Like, was it from your childhood or when did you start traveling? Yeah, I've always had wanderlust. Uh, my parents could tell you. I was a big, <laughs> well, am still a huge reader. And I think that is where it stems from. Or I don't know if that's where it stems from or that's part of the same sort of gene, <laughs> you know, that I wanted to read to explore when I was younger. And then that either made me curious or that was the reason I did reading, you know, a lot of reading. Um, so I always, I read a lot of stories that related to different places and things like that. And then, you know, it was kind of always bugging my parents about, you know, sending me places. And <laughs> I mean, I was very lucky to have parents that did help me go uh, to Europe when I was in high school and uh, so that you know love of travel was there from an early age yeah definitely what was your favorite book growing up I probably probably the one I that sticks with me for some reason is Anne of Green Gables okay I've never read that one (laughs) yeah it's and there's a series and so it's it's there's like there's a series on Netflix at the moment so that's people are it's called Anne with any, I think so people are from getting re-familiarized with it uh, but she was this was typical of a lot of the stories I read at the time she was a an orphan you know this was it's quite a long time ago that this was written so the language is adopted by this family that thought they were going to get a little boy to come I think like sort of help on their farm or whatever and so it was you know this kind of funny and her personality and, you know, but, but being thrown into like a, a strange place and a situation and interactions with people. And so it's just a very kind of heartwarming story. <laughs> I like that. That's really cool. I'm a big reader too. So I always love interviewing readers because I'm always looking for book recommendations. And I think that is how I, I as well got into travel is by reading books about going to different places about culture shock. And I love interviewing just authors and readers and everyone. So I'm really excited But um, let's talk about kind of, you kind of had a pretty big career shift because you, I noticed that you kind of had this track, you studied sociology and psychology in school, but then you decided to live abroad and work 
remotely. Can you talk about that big transition and kind of how your life shifted dramatically? Yeah. So I uh, worked, I'd worked in that field. I worked in, I basically got a master's in social work and gerontology, but what ended up happening was that when I worked, I was working sort of directly with clients, first in a nursing home, hospice, different settings. When I made a couple of moves, I really, I determined at some point that for me, it was, I still wanted to stay within that field, but I really mentally, I don't do as well working directly with clients because it's too stressful. (laughs) So I felt like I needed to do something more ancillary. So I started kind of going into the communication side of that world where I started doing more of the marketing and the writing for one of the companies. Um, So I stayed in the field, but in a different kind of role over time. And so that role, which I was with the company for quite a while, I was doing it when my husband and I just decided, you know, hey, we haven't done as much overseas travel as we kind of thought we would have done by this point. What are we doing? (laughs) And uh, so we decided, he, he decided to take a leave of absence from his corporate job. And basically I went to my employer and said, is, you know, this is what I'm planning to do. And they were very flexible with me. And it happened to coincide with the time when digital marketing was becoming more and more of the marketing puzzle sort of. So at the time that it was taking to do the digital stuff was much, was much more than it had been in the past where it had been a lot more face-to-face stuff before. So it just worked out really well that they needed someone more dedicated to that anyway. And I was able to sort of just carve out that piece. So initially when we went abroad, I basically kept the same job, uh, but a part-time version of it and kind of took a piece of it and gave, passed that on to someone else. And then over the years, because I've done, you know, many, many years now of, of, blogging and social media and communications. Uh, I started doing that for different companies and individuals and things like that. So I've been able to build, you know, a business and build kind of different roles around that. So that, and that's all, you know, you can do with that all from a computer. So it doesn't require being tied down to a location. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think, I think it's really cool how you kind of shaped your career based on like your travel and how you kind of took that social media role and kind of ran with it. So I really want to dive into that, but let's talk about that big move first. So you moved to Dania, was it 2010? Yes. Yeah. 2010. Okay. So what, was that a dream of yours that you always have or how, how did that kind of go? Were you just like, let's, let's do it. Like, let's dive in. Yeah, we, we did this whole leave of absence thing. And that's, that is a whole like separate long story, but we were actually going to go work on cruise ships initially. And there's different roles that you can do on cruise ships. And there's a couple that are sort of um, more, you know, like if you're a couple or an individual, you kind of, you get your own room versus being in a bunk situation. And um, like some of them use sales skills. So we were actually going to go sell art on cruise ships initially. And so we kind of planned around that. And then we ended up deciding it wasn't the right uh, opportunity and there were some things we weren't uh, that thrilled with about it so but we had already said we were going to take you know a, make a change so we just said okay well let's embrace the opportunity and we ended up doing a lot of travel within the U.S. road tripping and seeing family friends and then we knew we wanted to go overseas and we basically said okay we're interested in Europe to start uh, we speak some Spanish and let's poke around for apartments. <laughs> and there was no Airbnb at the time. So it was, or 
if it was, it was very undeveloped. So we actually, we used a website called Sabbatical Homes. And that was actually how we rented our home and how we found the first place that we found. And so Dania was very random. I mean, we really knew nothing about it. It looked pretty. I mean, we could, you know, we, put, we did a little research online, uh, but we kind of just really lucked out and lucked into that. And, you know, the Spanish speaking was, was part of it if we were going to be somewhere where we didn't speak the language. At least we went to have some familiarity. So, yeah, that's how it ended up. And it was just a really lucky thing because it's such, we felt in love with that area that's amazing i love that area too i i spent some time in hativa we we visited hativa which is a little bit north but dania is in between valencia and alicante i know that yes from my research and i i just love that area i i miss it so much so i'm excited to dive in and one of the interesting things about dania is it wasn't a city. So you kind of had this like local, local town. You said they have an amazing restaurant scene, but what was it like moving everything into this little town? Did you have culture shock? I mean, what, what was that experience like? It was, yeah, I guess it was culture shock. I, for me, it's always culture excitement just because I thrive mm. on I mean, I guess I discovered at that point that I thrive, that I thrive on it. I don't, didn't really know that beforehand, but I love the aspect of, for example, one of the things that always strikes me is going to the grocery store and going, okay, how do they do this? What do they do differently? Like you might remember <laughs> this from Spain, but they, or maybe you didn't have to shop, grocery shop, but you know, every, most people bring their cart, their rolling cart. A lot mm-hmm. of people uh, actually now there's so much delivery and stuff, but they bring their rolling cart. There's a place to lock up your cart. So you kind of have to look around and see that, okay, I put a little Euro in the thing and lock up my cart. Um, and then I get the shopping cart. I mean, just, and, certain things about you don't really touch fruits and vegetables here Uh, of course that's all that way everywhere now with COVID probably (laughs) but you know just watching and observing that kind of stuff was like was really exciting to me uh you know it really depends some people get really frustrated with everything being different and for me I found that I you know I really enjoy just observing it and trying to trying to learn to adapt even when it's stuff that can be a hassle like dealing with I mean, to, to an extent dealing with like bureaucracy or banks or things like that, that can be pain, but also there's always a story to tell at the end of it. So yeah, it's kind of fun. So yeah, it was, and, and Dania was, I mean, just a beautiful place. So you have that kind of the thing where, you know, you're surrounded by just so much natural beauty and the old architecture, you know, there's a castle, there's a, mm-hmm. our apartment lo- looked out on the Mediterranean on one side and the Montgo, which is like the big stone mountain on the other side. I mean, it wow. was stunning. So, you know, it makes it a really easy place to adapt to in that, but it was, uh, yeah. I mean, we walked everywhere. We never had had a car. Uh, I found that was another thing that I discovered that I really wanted out of life that I didn't want to live in a place where I have to drive anymore. And so really haven't driven since, <laughs> since wow. then. And so walkability is really important. So, you know, you kind of discover things that if you're not out of your element, you wouldn't have a reason to explore now. And the lifestyle here, as you know, of um, sort of taking walks and being out and about, and it's more like the, the town and the restaurants and the, the bars and cafes are more of your living room. And people spend a lot of time, uh, pre-COVID anyway, out and about as much as possible and taking the paseo in the late afternoon and evening. And 
So I, yeah, really discovered that that was you know, something that felt just true to my heart. That's amazing. Oh, I miss it so much. Just talking to you makes me miss it so much, but that's so, I completely agree with walking. And one of my favorite parts of Valencia is that they actually built a park in the middle of it called El Rio, where just everyone goes and walks and they have amazing, just different places you can run. And so that, that was one of my favorite parts of Valencia that I hope you are able to use now because I, I feel like restrictions have loosened, right? A little bit. Yeah, there's curfews and things here, but um, you, you can definitely get out and exercise. There was a time, thank goodness we weren't here, where you weren't even allowed to go out and exercise, which I think yeah. was um, probably too, I mean, I'm all for safety and restrictions, but I think it was, it didn't take into account mental health and even physical health. I mean, some people live in very small apartments. And so, I mean, I, here I go out for a walk, yeah, in the, in the Turia Rio Park yeah. pretty much every day. And it's very walkable city and there's numerous parks. And yeah, I think you mentioned Rusafa. There's a nice central park down there that I don't think was here. I think they built that after we were here before. Mm-hmm. So I just love to go out and explore. And it's that same thing that I discovered in Dania where the, the nature is beautiful and the, there's a lot of sunshine, but also you just, you look around, you're looking at, you know, cathedrals and buildings that are just amazing and that's Europe for you (laughs) yeah definitely I I miss it so much yes I completely agree with everything you just said and I like that the culture excitement instead of culture shock so let's dive into your next culture excitement which was when you moved to Shanghai right or you moved to China I know you lived there for eight years but I know you spent a little bit of time in Shanghai but tell me a little bit about that experience yeah, so after we were here for a short time, and then we were back here again, this time in Valencia, Dania, then Valencia. Okay. And then uh, things changed work-wise on my husband's um, end and ended up getting a, he ended up getting a job opportunity to be moved to Shanghai. So we went there and we had a couple of years. And again, I'm, I have flexibility with work, so it wasn't a problem. So that's what's really nice about being able to you know, embrace those opportunities. And we went and we stayed for eight years. So it was much longer than expected, but it was, first of all, when we, especially when we first got there, it was a great time to be in that city. I mean, China, of course, is a place that is just, you know, the country, it's been a very dynamic time there. And it's Shanghai in particular is sort of a financial center. And so there was just people from all over the world and people from all over China uh, end up coming there. And so it was really exciting. And then the best part was we got the opportunity to travel pretty much all throughout Asia, you know, on all the holidays. And that ended up, that was one of the things I think in my mind, it kept me there the most because I kept thinking, well, we still haven't gone to this place, this country or that country. And so I'm not quite ready to leave yet. So it, uh, it was, yeah, it was longer than expected, but it was, it was good. And it felt like, feels like it was the right time and timing. That's really cool. That's amazing. Did you, were you nervous going into it? Because China's a big jump. I mean, you started with Europe. That's, it's, you still get culture shock or culture excitement when you go to Europe, but China's like diving into the deep end. Like, I feel like their culture is so much different. What was that experience like going from kind of someplace with a little bit of comfort to a whole new language that you probably didn't know and just exploring that? 
Yeah, it was definitely, I, I was very nervous. We kind of looked at it like, okay, it's an opportunity, but we weren't really, we didn't have the same kind of excitement about it ahead of time. But I ended up speaking to some people that were there and one in particular that I'll never forget. It was my, my great aunt. It was actually a friend of hers and he had gone, he and his wife had gone to China around the, I guess it was around the Beijing Olympics and he was in his seventies when they went. And so he, I got on the phone with him and he very much reassured me and also gave, you know, told a lot of exciting stories. And I thought, if this guy can go, if this couple can go in their seventies and a while ago, you know, when things are not as convenient and not as, you know, technologically connected as they are now, you know, what am I nervous about? I, I mean, he can make it work. I can make it work. Um, and so that really helped. And his excitement was sort of contagious. Uh, but I was, but yeah, it was, a, I mean, it was a pretty big, big move. And it was moving, you know, for a job but in a more permanent way than when we had moved. Was, our Spain moves were sort of always meant temporary because we never did a long-term like, you know, work visa or anything like that. So uh, yeah, there was a lot. And it was also very fast because he got offered the job and we were in Spain. So we had to come back to the US. Uh, my mom actually had a health issue. So I spent some time with her and then we sold our house and all of our stuff and were there within a few months. Well, really, I mean, that basically all happened within like two months. Wow. So <laughs> it was kind of crazy. Oh my gosh. That's so... Yeah. I had literally talking to you, I have a giant smile on my face because I love talking about this and your story is so fascinating to me. That's crazy. Yeah, so, so it was a lot. So I, I was a bit stressed, even though it, yeah. was, it was an exciting stress, but I was definitely not sleeping a lot. And especially during that time, just trying to get everything done. Um, and, and literally, we, I mean, we sold everything other than suitcases uh, when we went that time before we had rented our house. And so we had still had stuff in closets and everything. So it wasn't quite this was a really major transition. Uh, and culturally, it ended up also being culturally exciting, but it was definitely more of a shock. There were a lot of things that were more different than, you know, what I was used to. And language was definitely, language, unfortunately, was always a barrier because I never really <laughs> learned Chinese. Yeah. I mean, I learned some basics, but uh, it's, yeah, it's nice being back in Spain, knowing that at least I have some clue what people are saying. Yeah. So, but it was pretty, I mean, we were lucky being in such an international city, we could get by. Uh, and it coincided with that time, you know, technologically when things were available to make it a lot easier. So that's really great. What was your favorite place to travel in Asia? That's one place I've never been to that I've always wanted to go. Oh, there's so many good places. I, the plate, two places that I returned to the most, um, and that feel like I would still have more exploring to do, or actually I'll say three is, uh, Japan, Thailand, and Vietnam. Those are just ones that I, I mean, I love the food, I love the culture, and they're relatively sort of easy to travel in. So it's, it's sort of something pretty doable. Uh, so those Japan, I've gone three times and I still, I mean, there's a lot more to explore because, you know, you go to the highlights to start. Um, but one place that really stands out that I didn't, that I only went once very briefly, but that I, again, would really like to go back to is uh, Laos. Uh, we went to, we just went to Luang Prabang. It was beautiful. It was um, amazing to explore the culture. And that's, they have the, 
you might have seen photos. They have them, the monks there. I mean, you see orange robes everywhere. And uh, young boys pretty much all go through going to and being a monk for a period of time. It's not always a lifetime vocation. It might be something they go do for a period of time. Uh, so you see monks all over town. And they do this thing called the almsgiving, where they at sunrise, they all walk to this area and people bring offerings to them. That's basically how they eat. And so it's this really magical thing. It's gotten quite touristy. So people will say, oh, it's kind of, kind of been ruined, but I, I could find little back streets where monks were standing that wasn't really crowded with you know, people taking photos and uh, just felt like a, a special experience. Yeah, that's really amazing. Did you kind of, I don't know if you were in a place that studied Buddhism, but Buddhism has been kind of a passion of my life. It's something that I've studied and researched since I was like 14. So it's been something I've loved. Um, I'm not, I don't consider myself Buddhist, but it's one of my favorite religions in the world. What was your experience in Asia, especially with the monks? What did you learn or kind of, did you have an experience with Buddhism? Yes, I, I knew a lot of people that were Buddhist or, you know, studied Buddhism in, in China itself. And mm-hmm. so got some experience there and also definitely traveled to places where it was heavily influential. Uh, so I would say, I mean, Lao, obviously, but in Tibet was probably the number one. And that was outstanding. And our guide there, we had a guide. So we went there. There's, there's very specific rules about how you can travel there. So from China, we even, we had to have a special permit. Uh, and there's, there's all kinds of rules about, about the travel situation. So you have to kind of have a, some kind of, you don't have to go with the group, but you have to have some kind of guide. Mm-hmm. So we, uh, or some kind of packaged thing. So we had this guide just with us, just my husband and I. Uh, and so what was really cool is that he was super knowledgeable about Buddhism and Buddhist history and of course all the local history. And so he would, when we would go to the temples I and mean, he would explain everything you know, really in depth. Uh, one day we went, and my husband actually didn't feel that well that day. And I went and it was a mountain um, monastery and you, they do this thing called walking the Koro, which is like kind of like walking a, a journey, but, or like a circle. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's like a prayerful meditation situation. And so we would see people doing that in the town and at different places and then traveling from very far away. But at this particular place, you could go up on the mountain and do this walk. So he kind of explained it to me and showed me around a little, but then he let me sort of do my own Quora. And it was, it was like, you, you can't help, I don't think, but feel that feeling, feel that there's something spiritual about it and special. And, um, and, and it was a snowy day and it was, you know, so it was cloudy and I have pictures of myself up on the mountain. And um, so, yeah, I really, I think it's not, I'm definitely not an expert at all the tenets of Buddhism or the, or anything, but I, you know, try to incorporate some of what I think is um, really useful about it in life as much as possible. And it's something I'd like to study more. I, I had some, a lot of friends that did sort of a weekend, weekend or longer retreats at some of the temples, especially in Japan and, and in China too, and silent meditation retreats and things. And so I'd like to yeah, do some of those more in-depth things at some point in life. 
That's really cool. I think the fun part about travel is whatever you want to do, I feel like your bucket list grows wherever you go. So there's always things that you can research before you go, but you won't really know what you want to do or kind of the play, the expansive places you could go until you get there. And you're like, wow, like there's so much to do. It's so I completely agree. And I love that story. That's actually fascinating. And I'm glad that you've been able to kind of have Buddhism touch you in a way that that I've had with meditation and everything like that. So I'm excited. I should, I think I have to visit Asia now. I think that's my next it's, big. It's, it's amazing. And it wasn't, you know, I still, there's a lot of Europe I haven't explored. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm glad that we had an opportunity that kind of pushed us in that direction. Cause I don't know that I would have naturally, I mean, especially if you're based on this side of the world, it's a, it is a long way to go. So being over there was really helpful to mm-hmm. easily be able to, to hit a lot of places and just, you know, every holiday it was thinking, okay, where can we go? Uh, and, uh, you know, wanted to try to get it as much as possible. So it was, it was really nice. That's really cool. So let's kind of transition back to your career because I think that's really interesting as well. What, um, what kind of, what, what was your experience like being remote? And then how did you find your role at Podbean? Yeah, it, uh, so the remote work felt well. It, it was probably an adjustment a little bit at the beginning. And when I first, the company that I was working for, I do remember I was first, I was on the road, then I was in Spain and working with the time zone situation. I mean, the work I did didn't really have to be done at a certain time, but I remember at the beginning we did have a one, I guess it was a weekly meeting. And by the time I moved to China, it was at 3 a.m. So that was not fun, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's my decision to go abroad so I can stay up one, one, one night and, or wake up. And so I, I feel like I adjusted pretty well because I worked, uh, and it was similar, like my husband worked from home for a long time before that. And I worked sort of, as I was doing marketing, I was, I didn't spend a lot of time in the office. So I was either on the road seeing people, or I did a lot of the computer stuff at home anyway at a home office. So then it's, it's not that big of a jump. Like for people right now that are working from home, you're getting accustomed to this kind of, it's similar to working remotely, right? You're, whether you're down the road or somewhere else. Uh, then, yeah, I started doing, because that role was part-time, I started, once I was in China, I started getting people interested. You know, they would ask what you did and then they would say, oh, wow, you know, we could really use help with our blog or our website or our marketing. And so did some different sort of freelance things. And then I, I guess I was just at the point where I wanted to do more. And I felt like I had the time, you know, I had that other job was really manageable. And uh, so I looked around, I actually found the Podbean job through sort of a, like they were advertising for um, someone to help. So I found it that way. And it was great because I was always a huge podcast fan. So it was like my dream job in a way. And so, yeah, I started doing that. And uh, yeah, now it's been over six years. That I've wow. Been that's really cool. I need to switch to Podbean before the end of the year. That's one of my New Year's goals. So I will definitely do that. But I think it's really cool how you fell into that role just because I think podcasting is so broad now. And so it's interesting that you have a role because I'm interested in podcasting. I'm a researcher. So it's really cool that you have a role not as a podcaster, but you found a career out of it that's not, you know, you know what I mean, like not in there, but you're still 
immersed in podcasting, you're still helping out podcasters. And that's, that's really unique. Yeah, it's, that's the thing I love about it is helping out independent creators. And I mean, every, well, we do also help corporations and that kind of thing, but just people creating, it's really inspiring. And so it allows me to, and it's also a nice change of pace because I'm still doing, I'm doing a couple, I do a couple of different writing projects um, and some are in sort of in the medical field. And then of course my main one being in elder care. And then this is obviously very different. So it's, you know, consumer based and it's more about creating and that kind of thing, but it's still educating, writing, um, working with the, the team and working with the podcasters. So it's, it's been fun. And again, another, we're a globally distributed team and we're based, our home office is New York, but most of us are kind of scattered around. And so uh, it's always been feasible to kind of do it wherever, um, but also we're a small team and I have sort of always ended up working at small companies and really appreciate that kind of uh, camaraderie on the small team and the diversity of tasks. I like that. Let's dive into your writing because I know you're a really good writer. How did that come to be? Probably from reading. Um, yeah, so I, I always, and I, I took creative writing classes and things like that throughout school and, uh, you know, in a sort of different direction career-wise, but it always involved a ton of writing. So I just as I started doing more marketing stuff, it started becoming more about communications and digital marketing, marketing. And again, working for small companies, I think that's part of what allowed it to happen because when you're working, you know, literally the company I, work, I still work for um, that I sort of started out with. I mean, I, when I started, they were like, okay, build a marketing plan. Tell us what you think we should do, you know, come up with the thing, you know, <laughs> do, what's, what's the plan, you know? And so to be able to do that, uh, not being necessarily a marketing, you know, MBA or an MBA or anything like that, but just someone that had, you know, experience and had that background. Uh, it was, you know, an opportunity that you could only really come at a smaller company, I think. And so I had a lot of opportunities to, you know, do different things from that. And um, yeah, and that's just grown because like I said, it's a lot of word of mouth because when you do that kind of stuff, then people say, oh, I see that you, you know, have done this writing or done that. And, you know, we need something like that. And would you be willing to help? And, uh, uh, and, and during the time that I was in China, it was just so many opportunities. I had the opportunity to work on a lot of um, crowdfunding, like Kickstarter. Mm -hmm type campaigns, just because I literally met someone, I think it was through, it was never through work networking. It was always through personal networking. Like oh. I would go to a, I think I originally, I'm trying to think how I met this person that ended up sort of bringing me on to do a bunch of that stuff. But it was through some, you know, connections through just things that I did out and about in the city, you know, just knowing, getting to know people. And then you know, naturally comes up, what do you do? And from there. So yeah, those were great opportunities that I, you know, just came about. So wow. Fascinating. I love, I love that. That's really great. What is your, I'm always intrigued because you're a great writer in your career, but what, how do you record your memories when you're traveling? How do you write that down? Because I know you have a really great blog. I think it's called one, it's called Wanderlust, right? Uh, two who travel. Two who travel. Wonder, there's like yeah, there's like a subtitle I think. Wonderless. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so we have this blog. Do yeah. you do any other journaling, or how do you record your memories when you're traveling? 
I used to be really good about keeping up the blog. The challenge for me with that in recent years has been that at first it was really exciting, but then I do so much writing for work yeah. that it, it goes by the wayside. So you'll notice that the blog was very busy at the beginning and now it's very much tapered off. Uh, so now what it, and of course also things have changed. So now we all can instantly record what's going on. So I, I really keep almost a blog, I would say on Facebook nowadays, because I post instantaneously, you know, the pictures when I'm traveling and then some thoughts about it. So that ended up sort of, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, taking the place of the blog in a lot of ways. Because the main reason is to sort of, as you said, record it, the memories for myself, and then also sharing with family and friends. So that I don't really need the blog anymore for that purpose. But every now and then I still do a you know, more long form kind of post there and, and that kind of thing. So that's really it. Try a lot of pictures, you know, which nowadays is just, you know, the phone and, um, and then some, some stuff on social media. And that's, I haven't really done journaling, uh, like writing, you know, things down. Um, although I used to when I was younger, but haven't really done that as much. So. Hmm. That's cool though. I'll, I will have to friend you on Facebook. That's really great. And I'm always curious because some people write like incessantly in a journal. I know the guy I interviewed Norm, he constantly is writing, he's filling up journals, but I'm always curious because that, that was something that never worked for me when I was abroad. So I like that you can kind of record these amazing memories using social media. And I think that's a really great way to do it. So. Yeah. I was going to ask you, so I know you made a video, so that's, yeah. that's a cool way to <laughs> Yeah, it. it really shows like it shows the place and stuff. So that's really, yeah, that was fun. I, I won a GoPro for that. That was a big contest at my school. So that was a fun experience. And then I've really just been trying to podcast a lot. I think in the future, that's kind of how I'm going to do it just because I can record my insights. And I did that with my, my COVID experience, but when I actually can travel, I'll probably do that. I'm, I'm doing my yoga teacher training in January. So I'm hoping to do a nice, a nice episode about that. And then I'll probably try to journal during that, but that's going to be a lot of, a lot of things. So we'll see, you know, you never know whenever I'm immersed in something, I never have time to do anything except for work or, or journal. Yeah. You get, get caught up in it, but yeah, that's, that's great. And the pod- podcasting is a great way to do it. I think, cause it's pretty, it, it, first of all, it's a very intimate form of storytelling, but also you can do it without it being, uh, without needing a lot of equipment, without needing to, I mean, everybody decides how much they want to edit and work on it, but you don't really have to do a lot. You could do it very much on the fly. So it's, it's not a big barrier. Yeah. I completely agree. Let's dive in to one of one of the last blog posts I've seen you post. This was 2020, but you had a very unique COVID experience, if you don't mind diving into that. So you were actually living, I think you moved from North Carolina to Maryland, but you were you were stuck in the US. You guys were kind of house jumping, you and your your husband. Can you talk about that experience? Yeah, we, I feel like a fair amount of other nomads have had something similar happen, but it was definitely a a weird, a weird year, of course. Um, We basically left for vacation in the end of, at the end of January from China, from Shanghai. We actually went to Madrid because we knew that we were were planning to move here and had sort of started the process a bit. Uh, And so we were at that time, we're thinking of Madrid and we thought, well, we haven't been in a while. Maybe we got to go back to 
this vein just to make sure we feel the same way. <laughs> yeah. uh, and also could do so, a little bit of legwork. So like we opened a bank account and got SIM cards and mm -hmm. we're, we're kind of thinking, oh, in a few, few months, we'll be back, oh. <laughs> moving back. So that happened. And basically I got an email. Uh, so I was at, uh, going from there to the US for some podcasting conferences. I was speaking okay. at a couple of conferences. And so it was going to be gone a few weeks and then fly back from there to China. My husband was flying directly from Spain back to China. And I got an email from the airline that said your flight in two weeks or three weeks has been canceled and we aren't planning to go back to China until May at the earliest. Oh this my God. Beginning of February. So that, I mean, we knew COVID, we had seen that it was becoming a, a problem in China. I mean, Wuhan was yeah. already a huge, a huge issue and Shanghai was getting, by that time it was starting to lock down. Okay. So people in China were telling us, don't, you know, if you, since you're not here, don't come back, just stay, stay out. And even our landlord was like, just stay if you can for a while and then, you know, come back a little later. And so my husband got a different Airbnb in Spain and to stay a little longer while he kind of waited it out. Cause then his flight, uh, it was canceled, but they were willing to get him back. But then people were saying, don't come back. So it was okay. kind of a constant decision-making process. So I, I was able to fly to California. California for the conferences, mm -hmm. do the conferences and then, okay, I don't have a flight back now. What should I do? So I just flew to the East coast where my family is from and my parents actually spent split their time between a couple of States. Okay. So their, they, their one apartment was unoccupied. So I just, I went there and my husband ended up meeting me back there and we were just kind of, you know, pretty, not necessarily day to day, but every couple of days just yeah. trying to decide, do we go back? You know, what's the, it, it was changing so rapidly where at first you could go, we first, we could go back to China, but it sounded kind of scary. Then we could go back, but it was with a quarantine, which at first you could do at home, but like under monitoring with like a lock on your door. Then it became, you know, you have to do the hotel thing as you've experienced. Oh and, and then we were like, well, I don't know if we can avoid that, you know, plus avoid getting on a plane given the, the situation. So we just kept kind of, you know, making these small decisions to stay. And, st and I actually did another podcasting conference that I wasn't scheduled for in Florida, which was probably one of the very last conferences in the beginning of March before everything went haywire. Fire. And so we did a road trip down there and then we came back. So we were very, very lucky that our families were really supportive. And my parents basically let us, you know, mooch off them and <laughs> move back in. <laughs> and, and with the whole thing of COVID, it was also nice because they're older. And so we were able to not you know, to be in different households. Um, and also I'm working at home. So it would have been really crowded to, to just be in a small apartment together. So we had places to go. And so, yeah, we popped back and forth between a couple places for a couple months. And at, at some point, well, first, first of all, we were kind of on the cusp of making this decision anyway. And then China said, you can't, even if you're a resident of China, you can't come back. Wow. Yeah, so they shut it D different than most countries where, like, if you're a citizen or a resident, you could come back. If you were a citizen, mm -hmm. you could with quarantining. But if you were a resident, there was, a, and so we had residency, but we weren't, many people got stuck out because so many people left for that, that same holiday and then got stuck. And a lot of people got stuck, you know, in the location where they went at a hotel you know we were lucky we got back yeah so we at, around that time we finally said our lease was going to end 
before too long. So we just talked to our landlord and said, okay, we're just going to let it, let it go. Uh, and we're going to, we're going to like finish out this month and have our friends come over and pack up some of our stuff and ship it to us. And so we're kind of done for wow. now. And it was, it's <gasps> weird because no goodbyes, mm-hmm. you know, no goodbyes to the place, no goodbyes to the people. So it's sad in that way, but such is the life that this year has, you know, for all yeah. the people. And, um, so yeah, so we had our stuff shipped and kind of got all that. Around. And that's the good thing about, you know, being a place for a lot of years and doing a lot of networking and knowing a lot of people. Yeah. So we had resources that, um, you know, we were able to contact to help with everything. And our friends were, friends were really helpful going in our apartment and like, we literally did a video call at like 3 a.m. U.S. time where they were holding up stuff going, do you want us to send this? Do you, want... <laughs> you know, because it, it costs to send stuff. So you don't want to send some of your junk that you would have gotten rid of anyway. And fortunately, having traveled a lot, we don't we planned on getting rid of stuff when we left there. So okay. we weren't, it wasn't so, wasn't like we had all these family heirlooms or treasures. I mean, it's, it's all, it was all just Ikea dishes and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, temporary. We didn't have furniture. It was the landlord's oh. furniture. So we were able to narrow it down and get it sent and then stayed with those cartons for another few months yeah. <laughs> in my parents' place. And we started, we had, inquired a little bit about what the process would be like to do the visa for Spain mm-hmm. in the U.S., but we knew they were probably going to shut down the consulate, and they did, so there was a mm-hmm. period of time where you couldn't apply. So we kind of kept on top of that and started gathering paperwork once once we could, once you could do things again. So in the U.S., we started that process because we were like, well, I guess something is saying it's time to make the move. So yeah, we were able to, and they opened back up in the summer, the Spanish consulate in DC. And so we finished off getting our paperwork and got an appointment. Uh, and then we're, it was really quick once we did the application that we got approved. And then it was down to the, oh no, okay, we got approved. We want to go. We're excited for sure. But now we have to get on a plane during COVID yeah. and we have to hope that we get on a plane because flights are being canceled. So then it was you know, it was excitement and the nerves and then it all worked out in the end, but wow. a little, little nerve wracking. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't imagine just what you guys have been through. And I, I'm so jealous that you've ended up in Spain and in Valencia. So that's amazing. It's, I'm glad that you got, you experienced a weird time, but you, you got to spend time with your family a little bit and then you, everything was resolved. Like you had the friends to send stuff home. So that's, that's a really good story. I think that's one of my favorite COVID stories that I've heard just because you guys have just, you've been through a lot, but you ended up in a good place. Now you're in Valencia, you're staying in an amazing part of the city. So I'm, re- I'm really jealous, but that's a great yeah, story. <laughs> it was, it was really positive all in all, you yeah. know, uh, for sure. Uh, we were very fortunate and, um, the support of other people was a huge, huge help and, and kind of where we ended up being at different times, uh, you know, we kind of ended up, I mean, we left China before lockdown. So we didn't, we weren't locked down there. The U S mm-hmm. as you know, never really did total lockdown. So we were still able to get out and exercise and things. And then yeah. we missed, so we missed that total lockdown in Spain and we came here. Um, so as long as we can stay healthy and our family members can stay healthy and stuff, it, you know, it's, it's been okay, but, um, that's, it's, it's been an adventure, but really it does feel like it's sort of like a miracle to have actually got here in this year and with all that (laughs) so 
Wow. Okay. So I have just a few questions. We're running a little bit short on time, but um, I really wanted to cover a couple of things just, just because I know you're so wise and you have a lot of experiences. So my first question is not deep at all, but um, what is your favorite food from traveling from your experiences? Oh, I'll have to, I'll have to say too, I'll have to say paella. <laughs> How do you eat your paella? At only, this is important. You, you know this, but other people wouldn't know this. You only eat paella at lunch. Never. If you come to Spain, especially if you aren't in Valencia, because it's probably not going to be good if you're not in Valencia. So first of all, probably don't eat it if it's not. I mean, there are Valencian chefs elsewhere, but most mm-hmm. of it is not good. And then if you get offered it at dinner, doesn't happen. I didn't <laughs> so know that. Lunchtime. Oh yeah, it's absolutely not. We we made the mistake when we first knew Dania of going to a really nice place and trying to order a dinner, and they just they they looked at us like we had four heads. Oh my god! And, and they didn't even hide their disdain of our you know silliness. Uh, I like to eat it on the beach or with a view of the water, preferably in the sunshine. That's my favorite way. And um, I like the paella valenciana, the very traditional with its rabbit. And um, but I also I my favorite one is a seafood like a mariscos, mm-hmm. a, a paella mariscos. So that's and here at Valencia, over on the beach is where a lot of the good places are and they do like you know a nice big lunch meal and you just take your three hours and enjoy your time and. Yeah. So that's, that's probably my favorite. And then the other sort of category of food that I love, and so I'll cover Spain and Asia, uh, is dumplings. Ooh. So I love, and in China, there's a couple, uh, in Shanghai, there's a couple kind that are pretty famous. There's the people, a lot of people know these are all around the world called Xiaolongbao soup dumplings, mm-hmm. and also Shenzhenbao, which are uh, similar, but they're pan fried. So mm-hmm. they're really and good and greasy and all it's yeah it's delicious (laughs) that's so good I'm so jealous and that's a good tip about the paella I didn't actually know that so I I should have known that but yeah if you come to Spain (laughs) if you travel to Spain do not like you're being fooled if someone offers it because the good places won't even and a lot of them now because they've cut back hours they aren't they're only open some of the places that specialize in it are only open for lunch Mm -hmm. so interesting don't be fooled. And if it has peas in it, it is not, is also not yeah. legit. <laughs> True. I, yes, that is a very good point. So one of my next questions is a lot deeper. What advice would you give to your 20 year old self? Embrace everything. Don't be afraid. I, despite the fact that I might sound like oh, I'm very courageous and I do all these <laughs> things, I have a lot of fear and anxiety, truly. And I'm glad that I haven't let it hold me back. But I, there were times in life that it definitely sort of ruled things for me. And I wish that, you know, maybe I had even embraced things more. And um, I don't have regrets, but I'm, I'm glad that I can, you know, push past fear and anxiety to try things. Yeah, that's really, really good advice. I I struggle with anxiety as well. So that's, that's good advice for me, just because I'm 20. And, you know, it's hard. It's hard growing up and having all these fears, especially right before I'm about to travel, I get I get worried about even the littlest things, but you got to push past it. You gotta, it's not as bad. And it's good to, it's good to know that other, like, I think over time, what I've discovered is that it's not, it's not abnormal. It's okay to be vulnerable and to have that. And that other people are doing things that also have anxiety. It doesn't mean you can't 
do things, but it also is, is perfectly natural and normal. And just because you see someone that, oh, they seem like they're, they're so courageous and they never would have fear. No, they probably have a lot of, a lot of fears. <laughs> Good advice. Where are you going to next? Where's your next place? Well, uh, probably we will do some travel right in the Valencian community because right now we can't go to other, we can't even go to other uh, communities okay. in Spain. It's it's restricted from traveling. Uh, so we did go down to Dania uh, okay. when, er, early on when we were here and just did a very safe rent a car, go to an Airbnb, you know, still stay isolated. Yeah. Um, but there's, a, I've noticed a few places, you know, I kind of have a, a little list going of some, uh, I want to see kind of how things are after the holidays here, because I'm afraid, you know, there's going to be a stronger virus <laughs> going on, but, uh, but I have that in mind. And then I have in mind for when things are a little safer, definitely to go to Portugal. That's one of the big ones that we didn't get to when we were here before. Uh, and so many other places in Spain. So we did a fair bit of travel when we were he there, here before, but I never went to like Galicia or much of the, I went to the Basque country, but there's a lot of Ooh. areas still in Spain that I want to hit. So that's, are that's amazing. What's your favorite Spanish word? Vale. Uh -huh. You know that one, vale? Oh, it means like, okay. So oh yeah, yeah, you, yeah. You hear, I know my pronunciation is right. <laughs> yeah I still end up saying okay sometimes but yeah <laughs> there's a lot of funny phrases I'm learning more of the yeah. idioms and some of the um, some of the ways that they curse and stuff are hysterical <laughs> I know that's so fun oh, I miss it so much I miss the Spanish language and actually one of my questions was do you consider yourself fluent no 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 I I'm working on it again right now but we mm -hmm. So when I, I went, uh, I took Spanish all the way through a literature class in college. So at one point I was, I still, I don't know that I would use the term fluent, but I was pretty advanced yeah. back then, but that was a long time ago. And then I, a couple different times I tried to do lessons again, or I really knew, I, oh, I want to keep it up, but I, I didn't really keep up with it. So when we came here, it kind of got a little better. And then of course we were away for a long time. I feel like it's sinking in more now uh, under my level of understanding. So when someone speaks to me, I'm pretty good. Um, and my speaking level is way below that. So it's, again, that, that's a fear thing. It's a lack yeah. of confidence. You know, I just don't want to make the mistakes. Yeah. So I, that's, I've got to push past that a bit, but I've been trying, I've been listening to podcasts in Spanish and really Ooh. trying to you know, really listen and get a lot of it in my brain all the time. So I like that. One of my tips is I used to meditate in Spanish. So if you oh, have wow. like a light timer, the app, they have a lot of guided mm -hmm. meditations in Spanish. And that's, oh, that's nice. a fun way to kind of pick it up because you kind of get it. It's like, they talk about breathing and they talk about being present. So it's a fun way to pick up different words, but also yeah. kind of immerse yourself in a, in Spanish in a unique way. So it's been fun for me, but that's nice. And it seems like that would almost help with your meditation because it kind of puts your brain in a different space. And it's also not a fast, sometimes the language is so fast, so they will yeah. probably be speaking quickly. So that's helpful. Yeah, definitely. My, okay. I have two more questions. So sure. my second to last question, what is it like traveling with your husband? Because he's been such an integral part of your travel experience. How has that kind of shaped your relationship dynamic and what do you enjoy about that? It's, it's fun to have a travel partner. And I think what I've learned and what's been nice is that we, we aren't exactly the same and we don't always have to like the same things and want to do the same schedule or that kind of thing. And that's really been 
like maybe I didn't know that at first, but I learned that over time and it's really good. And I actually, I really enjoy that because to me, people will talk about traveling, like solo traveling and how they love it. And then other people will say, oh no, I wish you know, I had a partner. And I feel like I get the best of both worlds because a lot of times I go off and do things on my own and he likes to sleep in. I like to get up early so I can go explore for a couple hours and, you know, we can, so we, we were in Vietnam in, uh, when was that last year around, around early last year. And okay. I went and like, I did, there was a, a tour. It was like a group thing, um, an activity where you could do, um, you did like a, a sort of a mini cooking class. Stuff. And I just went, cause it's with other people. So you don't have to go with a partner. And I wanted to do it. And he wasn't that interested. I was like, that's fine. I mean, we're saving the money for someone that doesn't want to do it and I'm doing it and you're doing what you, you know, it's perfect. So um, that works well, but it's really nice. I think it is, I mean, I, I we're partners in life and also travel partners and it's nice just even when you reflect on the memories, it's nice to have someone that was there to chat about it and hear what the other person thinks and maybe what different things you took away from it. Uh, so that's been really enjoyable having those kind of shared life experiences and I'm glad I found someone that you know enjoys travel because yeah. that might not have happened I guess <laughs> Ooh, definitely okay so my last question is something I ask everyone who's on my show and it always stumps everyone uh -oh. so I'm excited so if you could travel anywhere in the world where would you not go Oh, I do remember hearing this. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you've listened before. before. Oh, shoot. No, I didn't really think about it too much, though. Um, but I think what I would say, I'll, I'll give a, yeah, it's maybe a cheating answer, but I would not go somewhere that I've been before. Oh. Just because there's so many more places to go. So, and there's a lot of places I do, I would love to return. And uh, I once heard, I think it was Rick Steves that said, when you go somewhere, you should always pretend or assume or whatever that you are going to go back because you shouldn't you don't want to travel like I have to check off every box and I try to take that to heart I always I'm very I want to squeeze a lot in so naturally I kind of try to do a lot but then I I try to remember the wise voice of Rick Steve saying like sit down have a coffee to like in Spain that's part of the beauty of the travel here if you yeah. just go from place to place you'd miss the whole lifestyle mm -hmm. so I try to do that and I try to pretend like I'm going to go back but also in my mind I I don't tend to repeat places <laughs> because I there's so much of the world to see so yeah I probably wouldn't wouldn't go if I could go anywhere I probably wouldn't go revisit anything that I'd done already Ooh, that's interesting though, because you're living in a place that you've already been, <laughs> but I want to, when, when I can safely yes. travel to a lot of other places, but yeah, exactly. It's, uh, I know it's kind of surprising that we didn't go to a third destination, but I feel like in this time in life for me and everything, and just, it ended up being even more so with everything that went on this year, this ended up being a yeah, we're a little older and, and Spain and Europe is like, is a really good place to be for, for that and for like comfort level and mm -hmm. hopefully as a place that long-term will be and kind of retire. So mm. we'll see. Really good. Thank you so much for being on the show. You've provided so many unique stories and perspectives and I love talking to a fellow traveler. So thank you so much for being on Going Places. <laughs> Yeah, hopefully I'll see you in Spain one day. Yes, definitely. Well, thank you, Shannon. 
That was my interview with Shannon Martin. I really hope you learned a lot from her story. I think she had so many fun nuggets of wisdom with travel, and she had really good advice for your professional life and just living a successful, content life. So I really enjoyed her story, and I hope you did too. If you liked this episode, please feel free to leave me a review or comment. Reach out to me on social media. I really listen to your feedback, and I really appreciate any feedback I get. So thank you so much for listening. I can't wait to see where you go. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Bye.